Suncast is brought to you by SunGrow, providing clean power for all. Suncast is also brought to you by Trina Solar. Hey there, Solar Warriors. I'm Nico Johnson, and this is Suncast. Each week, I pull back the veil on the life and business insights of clean tech entrepreneurs building the most noble and impactful companies of our time. I hope what you learn from this conversation is a catalyst for your own growth. So thanks for tuning in and welcome to our tribe. Hey, welcome to a new week, Solar Warrior. Here we go. This is Two for Tuesday. Whether that's a tactical Tuesday or just content from one of our many live events like SPI Podcast Lounge, this is going to be a short form conversation typically with subject matter experts designed to give you the practical tools, tips and advice for building your solar business or career and grow with us here on Suncast as I know you will. I'm so glad that you've decided to join us again and level up your game. Remember, you can always find the resources and learn more about today's guests and recommendations in the blog at mysuncast.com. So get ready to tune up your skills, Solar Warrior. Here we go with another powerful conversation on Suncast. I brought in uh, our good friend, Birchie, who uh, has this wonderful company now called Open Solar. Birchie, I'd love to ask you, since you've had such a profound impact on our industry, you're a pioneer by any standard. You've seen this industry before it was really uh, in any, anything that would look like a growth phase. And you, you know, pioneered things like uh, selling solar remotely before we had such technology that we have uh, today. So I thought it'd be fun to give you the stage for 10 minutes or so. And I'd love to hear from your perspective, sort of the past, present and future. Let the audience know if they're perhaps unfamiliar how this industry, uh, from your lens, uh, birthed, how you got into it from your time, uh, perhaps with Greenpeace, and, um, and where you see the industry going now. Uh, and so I'll, I'll cede the floor to you, Birchie, and thank you so much for joining us on the Clean Energy Summit. Great. Well, it's very kind of you to ask, Nico. And firstly, congratulations to you and your team for pretty audacious, uh, you know, four or five days of planning, trying to set up a virtual summit in solar. So it's that, that kind of courage that keeps the uh, the innovations coming in solar and has allowed us to do everything we've done in this time. So congratulations. So yeah, past, present, future. Obviously, there's so many stories and so many people. It's hard to summarize. Um, at BP Solar, where I worked, uh, you know, a, a decade and a half ago, I used to get called Uncle Numbers, uh, was kind of my, my nickname. So I'll probably speak in numbers a bit more than I should. So, um, But I'll include a few stories, hopefully, along the way. So you, know, you mentioned Earth Day. What triggered my memory, we're just writing it down, when you said it's 50 years, which, I, I to be honest, I hadn't realized. Um, let's, let's start there, 50 years ago. And really, that speaks to where we are today and where we're going in the future. Because if you look at the economics, which ultimately is the biggest revolution here in the solar industry that is past, present, future is the cost of solar really has just dramatically changed so much. So 50 years ago, if you look at the situation, we'd be sitting at about, about $40, $50 per watt for a solar panel. So, you know, you're very limited. You started off obviously in the space and telecoms applications. And I was actually chatting to Nico earlier. For those of you who can see that behind me is one of the old BP solar vintages 
um, which used to be out in the desert, orange back sheets so that if it was stolen, they knew where to, to come and find you if uh, they saw it in your house or on your roof. Um, but the orange back sheet, back sheet 80 watt panel there used to sit out in the desert in Australia powering telecoms. And that was obviously, you know, a big part of where we started. So, you know, I got into solar in the late nineties. I was, uh, doing the finance side of things and trying to help a company called Astro Power raise money, which was based in Delaware as a manufacturer. And around that time, they showed me a chart, which had the classic sort of chart of, Cost of solar going down, retail electricity price going up, and those two paths were lines were supposed to cross at some point in the future. Five, ten years from now was the sort of the call late in the 90s. And I got really excited about that because I realized that as a physics guy, the energy source is infinite. If those lines cross, there's going to be serious trouble for the fossil fuel industry and a serious disruption in what is, along with healthcare, the biggest uh, sector in the world economy. And that was exciting to me. And I, my other kind of nickname back when I had hair when I was young, also probably 40, 50 years ago, um, was Captain Planet. So I, I figured I could spend my life in solar and do something good for the world. So that's kind of my, my story. And how I got into it was I went to the University of New South Wales um, just after the turn of the millennium where the, uh, along with two or three other universities around the world, they really led the development, which got us from about $10 a watt to $4 a watt uh, on the solar panels. And so the history of solar really is guys in labs for a few decades, really heroes, frankly, um, have given us a technology which today is economic. And it got from through them, through most of that cost reduction up into the, the early um, part of this this uh, new century, new millennium. We, we have since then seen that the scale of economy from manufacturing come through from $4 a watt. Really, it was the Chinese who gave us a dollar watt solar with German policy and feed-in tariffs that gave us the, the market mechanisms and the economic scale to get down to the, the incredible dollar a watt number. And I remember the BP guys sitting at that was a BP solar panel behind me where I used to work um, talking about a dollar a watt as if it was, you know, the, the turning point. And, so that, that arrived um, in our industry a few years ago now. And here we are today in Asia, you're in the 20s, and uh, the States, you're you know, in the 30s or so cents per watt for a solar panel. So that's the history of solar, the most incredible human ingenuity from scientists to policymakers to manufacturers, scaling up, using technology, using market mechanisms, and basically being brave and having courage to get us to this point today. Um, so the situation today is pretty extraordinary. We are an industry of probably about a million people um, doing about $100 billion worth of solar uh, last year, so about 100 gigawatts. Um, I was at a, an event in Sydney a few weeks ago, and there was one manufacturer who announced a, 60, a forecast of 60 gigawatts of wafer production, one company. 60 gigawatts and when i worked at bp solar back in the late uh, in you know 15 odd years ago you know the manufacturing plant there was 30 i was uh 30 megawatts 30 megawatts to, to 60 gigawatts it's extraordinary just in such a short space of time so i worked at bp solar for a while in those early years and uh, then realized i was reading a little funny story i was reading a book um uh by dell uh, on the beginning of the PC industry, where there's a lot of parallels to our industry today, and I think we can all learn a lot from. Uh, and 
that inspired me to think about direct selling and internet as the avenue to, to educate customers and to sell. And so um, exactly at the same time Google Earth launched, and that created, in my mind, this idea of the remote sales quotes, the online iQuote, as we called it at Sonjevity. We started Sonjevity in 2007. Um, panels cost $4 a watt. It was a very small industry. We sold about 100 systems in that year, mostly in San Francisco, um, with uh, colleagues of Adam at Boat Solar and a lot of mission-driven people who got that business started, Danny Kennedy um, and Alec Gettle, the two other co-founders. And we grew that to be the third largest residential solar company. Um, and really, one of the instructions as we sort of start to think about now migrating to what comes next is really our history tells us in solar that there have been so many ups and downs. There have been so many bumps and highs and lows on the solar coaster. In Sunjevity, obviously, it wasn't a happy ending um, in, for, for in the U.S. Uh, business. And, but we had so many highs and so many lows and so many crises that it tells us that to be in solar, I think there's two key messages as I now kind of migrate to what's coming in the future. The one big message is, you know, expect the bumps. COVID-19 is a, another huge challenge for this business. Um, and there are massive policy challenges in certain countries like the U.S., but we have solved so many bigger challenges to get to where we are today, to be this massively successful industry with such massive potential for the next 10, 20, 30 years um, that we have to remember really the big second lessons that yeah, there'll be bumps, um, but you just have to ride through them and knuckle through them and be innovative and work hard and work together as a community, which is really what we're blessed with, a really strong community. And if we do that, we can come out the other side and be successful. Sungevity now in Europe is one of the biggest solar businesses, install, installation businesses, still doing uh, remote sales, still using technology um, as Sungevity, owned by one of the largest utilities there. Um, and really, I think that speaks to some of the policy challenges in the US and how much harder it is to do business in certain markets, which we'll, we'll come to in a second. Um, but really, solar is at this point now, we're a big business. If you look at the US with 200,000 people in distributed solar and 50,000 people in, in utility scale solar, um, we are only at a couple of points of penetration in the US and about that across the Americas. And if you look at somewhere like Australia, where open solar is um, um, the leading software platform, we're at 20% penetration now of homes, 20% of, of of, of homes in Australia, 30 plus percent in some of the states there have a residential solar system. So the status today is we're a big industry, but we're still in most countries quite small, quite low penetration, but proven to be able to generate energy for the end consumers at scale as has been done in, in, in Australia right now. So for the future, and obviously, sorry, one other point on status today is, you know, we have the COVID challenge, but we mustn't forget we have the overall higher level, longer lasting, more impactful, ultimately in the long run, climate challenge. So that's the status today. Big, low cost solar industry, big challenges with COVID, big challenge with climate change. So the go forward, uh, as Uncle Numbers, as I said, the, the kind of math geek, it is, I sat one night, ran the numbers, built a spreadsheet, and the math is we need to grow solar installations by 30% per annum from 2020 to 2050. If you do the maths on that, we get to 100% penetration of the energy mix, assuming that the energy 
the overall energy demand doubles in that period, which is the current trend rate of energy demand growth. And we go to 100% electrification. So that's a 4x increase in electricity supply. If solar grows at 30% per annum, we can deliver all of the world's energy through electricity, through solar. And I think that's doable. With solar and storage, the lowest cost solution is always going to win in the market economy. What will get in the way of how fast that happens is the challenges we have today, which are really around policy and our ability to grow as an industry. So that's the challenge of our day. How do we grow at 30% per annum? So the, to talk about the future now, how do we hit 30%? And this is also related to COVID because interestingly, I think they are the same challenges. We need to first and foremost get efficient at scaling our businesses and bringing in new talent into the industry. So there will be more than enough panels and batteries, I would argue. We've seen the industry scale. We know that manufacturers of equivalent products, cell phones, cars, et cetera, can scale far bigger than we have today in the solar industry. So, and we know there's enough capital. We've got JP Morgan doing, you know, billion dollar funds. There's Goldman Sachs. Everyone's more than happy to write checks at the kind of rate of return we're getting in solar, solar projects right now. So really the challenge is how do businesses scale? How do we grow the number of people selling and installing solar? So the, the answer to that is digitization, we think. And so I've spent the last three years since Longevity working with my great friend, Adam Pryor, who's another great solar innovator. He is the guy who started Remote Solar Design, who invented that back in 2007. And he and I decided that the coolest thing we could do, the most impactful thing we could do on the climate and on 30% growth in solar was to build the best software platform with all the toolkit we could possibly imagine, all the tricks from remote solar design. Now we're introducing digital surface mapping, automated shading, automated design tools. And the crazy idea was, can we make it free? Can we make it available to every installer around the world? And so that's open solar. Um, you can go to opensolar.com, you can download, the app completely for free and get a toolkit that usually any you know small solar installer would be very constrained by. It's the kind of tools you don't only get as a big solar company. And anyone in the world can do that in any language, in any currency. And, and so that we felt was the biggest thing we can do to address that. Now to talk to COVID-19, that digital toolkit is how you do remote sales. We've we sold at Sungevity 15,000 systems in the United States and another 10,000 outside the States um, over the phone and online by giving customers a digital presentation, doing a screen share, walking them through, giving them options, so letting them self-educate and, and self-learn and really understand what solar does for them, which is you know, a massive challenge for the industry to get from low penetration to ubiquity. So we've given them tools that let the customer self-educate. You can walk them through the sale online. We find it incredibly efficient, no truck rolls, no hassle. Customers can look at the quote online at night, digital signature, online credit check, close. So that is, a, that is how we scale. Customers are willing to, in all other categories, self-educate and buy online. So the, one of the big things I think, a big message I have for the industry is now is the time to digitize. We need to get into this online selling environment, online phone sales, faster, more effective ways to scale. Um, so that's open solar and that's remote selling and digitizing. The digitizing also needs to get beyond solar to the permitting and the project management space. So around the world, there is, and this is, a, I think, the, the other big message along with digital selling I'd like to share about the future. Around the world today, solar costs less than $1.50 in every single market. 
It's usually it's a dollar thirty today in Australia for a small residential system per what in US dollars. In the states, we're still over three dollars, up to four dollars in places in a lot of Northern California and certain pockets in, in the US market. The reason for that is when you sell the system, you have a two or three months, up, up to five months in the East Coast permitting journey to go through, which doubles your workforce, doubles the cost. And some of these are indirect through cancellations and other things, but fundamentally it's about the permit process. So we need to digitize that as well. So two years ago, I wrote an article on why solar was twice as expensive in the States. Um, here we roll forward two years. We started a consortium. We launched this thing we called Solar App. Solar App goes live at this quarter. Um, NREL, the National Renewable Energy Laboratory in the US, has built the application. And what it means is in cities that adopt Solar App, which we hope will become the new national standard in the States, as it's been done in every other country around the world, will be able to go online, enter their system information, and get an automatic permit as long as they are using certified products and doing that job to code. So that means you get your permit straight away, you can go and install it. And most likely your AHGA will do some amount of spot checking of those jobs to make sure that you are um, doing it properly and you're not breaking the rules. That's how it's done in every other country around the world. That will lower the cost of solar in the States. So the future of solar is continued low growth, did low, uh, continued low cost reduction in the hardware on this continued trend we've seen for decades but we have to address the soft costs in the markets where they exist the worst and the US is the worst right now. So if we do that with digital permitting and we continue to have federal government and states supporting the overall growth of the solar economy and not reducing access to market like these FERC underhand things, I'm sure Adam will speak about the challenges we have from access to grid, net metering, those kinds of things. If we can access the grid with the cost we have today and we can get rid of the permitting overhead and be selling solar in the States at under $1.50 a watt, then we will grow at 50%. We'll grow at more than 30%. We'll grow at 50% per year for the next decade. And we will see massive penetration, huge job growth. This will be the biggest employer in the United States, one of the biggest employers in the world as an industry. It will be the most profitable. It will be the most cash created for the pension funds, for the institutions who are allocating capital. It will be an enormously positive disaggregation of energy supply. Uh, to your point about inclusion of diversity, having digital toolkits and having multiple different organizations and types of people participate in an ecosystem like Open Solar, where you can dial in and sell and have someone else do the installation. That enables people who work from home. It enables people who might have be looking after kids, might have a different skill set and be working part-time to do a bit of selling, a bit of permitting, a bit of design. So you have a disaggregated, massively scaling business over the years ahead. And to, to finish, if we can grow at 30% per annum as an industry for the next three decades, we will, I think, the people who are likely dialed in today who are solar entrepreneurs and solar workers and solar enthusiasts will look back and say, we were the people that did the hard work, got through the challenges, um, it was never easy, stuff went wrong, there were bankruptcies and challenges and it was hard, um, but we did it, we grew our industry and we will be the people who most likely have solved climate change in the decades ahead. So that's the opportunity we have for the future and um, there's tools we can do today to make that happen. You know, every commercial solar opportunity counts, so why lose that sale to high demand charges? 
Did you know that you can offer up to 30% in demand charge savings at a tenth of the cost of installing a battery? With DemandX, the innovative new demand charge reduction software from Extensible Energy, your client can boost ROI and reduce payback time without all the expense. And as a Suncast listener, you can get a free demand charge analysis by going to extensibleenergy.com forward slash suncast. And while you're there, check out three recent case studies on how this easy to install software is a win-win for you and your commercial solar clients. DemandX works for office buildings, retail, churches, and more. See for yourself at extensibleenergy.com forward slash suncast. Did you miss out on the live sessions of the Suncast Clean Energy Summit? We had so much fun with some of the most inspiring and impactful leaders in the clean economy throughout the Americas, learning about where the industry's going and giving you practical advice on how you too can participate and grow with us. Well, you're in luck because my team recorded the whole thing and you can check it out over at suncastsummit.com. It's posted there for a limited time for free. You can also see all of the replays inside of our private Facebook group, the Clean Energy Guild, where all the videos are posted and lots of solar warriors just like you are connecting. Both are linked over at suncastsummit.com. See you on the inside. What an exciting future we have and what an exciting opportunity that we can and must harness. You know, it's, it's really exciting uh, and inspiring for me to see how you have spent the last two decades helping to enable uh, not just homeowners go solar, but the solar industry grow and establish scale. I I remember back in 2006, I want to say, the first time I met Danny Kennedy, he actually came and spoke at uh, the school where I was attending for grad studies. And uh, as a mid-20s return Peace Corps volunteer. I was uh, brash enough to go up and say, hey, Danny, this sounds amazing. I'm, I've got my own solar company. Can we go out to dinner? Uh, and I was smitten with the idea of what you guys were trying to accomplish from Sungevity. But I also remember generally the industry sentiment that what you all were trying to accomplish was virtually impossible. We, we all were just trying to wrap our heads around SketchUp and Google Earth. Uh, I love the actually the knowledge I didn't have before that uh, that Google Earth was in fact that idea in spark moment to say there's a different way we can now approach solar and getting it into the hand of consumers. I wanted to highlight a couple of things and actually ask you to go back and uh, and help me address and maybe clarify uh, a couple of things that I'm not sure I wrap my head around. In the U.S., we're roughly around two percent. You said in Australia. The grid is about 20% uh, solar. I wanted to clarify if that's solar only or all clean energy. Uh, And then I also wanted to get a sense from you, because you've spent so much time in Australia, what is Australia doing differently that other countries can and should learn from? You mentioned digitalization. Is there something about the culture of Australia? Is there something about the sales model that has helped? Uh, And I I suppose that probably uh, Adam is going to talk a bit about this as well. Is there something around the the policy element that has helped uh, get that exponential rate of penetration compared with other countries? Yeah, so firstly, the first answer is we're 20% of homes have solar systems. So we're not at, unfortunately, 20% of the electricity mix yet. Um, but directionally, that's where we're going pretty quick. And on certain days, we're way, obviously way above that, um, especially in certain parts of Australia. 
the 20% homes have it. And so you have 2 million homes have solar out of the 10 million home base relative to 2 million in the States where we've just crossed out of 100 million. So, you know, much smaller country, but much, much more successfully deploying solar right now. And the reason, so I, you know, we've sold solar in Australia, we've sold solar in the States, and we've sold solar, solar in Europe. And so, and like have the scars, as I think most of you know, and we've seen the income statement, like we've seen where the costs live in each market and it is permanent. It is the fact that when you remember at Sungevity, we would give an Australian or a European, a European a tour of our office and everyone's on the phone selling online. It's all super cool with the, you know, the remote solar design. And, and then you, you finish that bit of the tour. And that was a great tour. Can we go to the pub now? I'm like, no, 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 no. We've got to finish the tour. There's another 50% of the tour left. And you go into the next door room and there's another 100 people doing the permit applications and calling the customers to do the site visits you need to do and then organizing the trucks and the maintenance and the insurance to go and do the truck calls to the AHJs. Then you've got the cycle through the AHJ and the inspection process. None of that exists overseas. And that's why it's cheaper. And what, me, what, what that means is you then have a lower cost system, which means more people want it, which means the industry grows and the economics of scale kick in. The other thing that happens immediately is you don't have the cancellation rate. So when you sell and install within a couple of weeks, there are no cancels. Cancellations are less than 1% in Europe and Australia compared to 30% in, in the States. So your acquisition cost immediately drops by 30% as well. So it is about policy. It's about permitting. And here's a weird thing. like We need net metering and we need ITC in the States to make the economics work because we have the inefficient permitting process. Every, you know, most countries around the world, around the world, don't have net metering, right? That's that's a fairly U.S. specific thing now. Where they've gone from feeding tariffs to just gross metered solar. So if you get rid of permitting and you solve that, you don't need net metering even. Cost of batteries are meaning that battery plus solar with time of day usage and shifting can actually be economic without net metering, and that's a lower risk profile to grow in as an industry as well. You've obviously seen not only the beginning of digitalization back in the day. I mean, digitalization was uh, instead of drawing plot plans to express how solar could look on your house uh, and taking physical drawings, we moved to digital drawings. Where do you see digitalization going with the with the innovation of the automated uh, express permitting um, in markets like the United States, do you see virtual reality or any of these other types of innovative technologies also taking hold to help us achieve scale? Yes, funnily enough, we actually just re- pre-released what we're calling Open Solar 3D, which is going live this quarter for users around the world. And wherever the digital surface map data exists, which is pretty well um, good coverage now across the world, um, and there are certain providers like Nearmap, who we've partnered with, who have an amazing data set along with really high res oblique images and all the other stuff that you can really use to sell beautiful proposals to customers remotely with. Um, but what, we've, what, we've, what we're shifting to now is virtual uh, world design. So you're sitting there with a customer. Uh, if you're face-to-face at some point in the future, that will happen somewhat again. You can be sitting on a tablet. Um, most likely you should be selling remotely. You should be selling online. And you're walking a customer through a virtual world, virtual reality, moving around their home, looking at all the different features, moving panels around, and it amazes them. It's wild what you can do with that. And you can engage them in ways that they design the systems themselves. 
this is saying, well, actually, I don't want them on that side of the roof. Can I have them there? They're so engaged and excited that they pre-sell their spouse or their partner who are other decision makers. They never cancel, even in America, because you've got, you know, they're just so excited about it. It, you know, just transforms the sales experience. So that's where we're, we're at really now today in the industry. And that's going to be huge for online sales going forward. Yeah, you know, I mean, obviously, we're all doing a virtual summit at this moment, uh, thanks to the COVID-19 pandemic, the crisis that has us all uh, sheltered in place. How have you seen response to, uh, to this type of digitization, the current crisis that we're engaged in? What does that say about the future of sales for renewable energy systems, particularly d- distributed generation for, for homes and small businesses? So I, we've seen a massive uptake just in this the requirement to, to do remote because, frankly, it, it, so, it became so easy with a 30% tax credit to, to door knock and sell that, and everyone's so busy, you kind of didn't have to make the effort to get that next, to get that next level of efficiency. So, like, you know, what do they say? Necessity is the mother of invention, I think the phrase is. You know, this is when you're in crisis. You know, look at all the crises we've had in the solar industry. Every single time we went through that, we came out with a few kernels of the next stage of growth. Um, and that is the sort of forced innovation that I think we're going through right now. So I, I did a post on LinkedIn yesterday. You know, really just it's, the, it's a tough time for installers. Installers are, in many cases, sitting on jobs that are ready to go. They can't get paid. They can't install. And they're going bankrupt. It's hard. Right, really, really tough, and I think we all got to acknowledge that and look ourselves and say, what have we done? What could have we done differently? And right. and we should have automated permitting a long time ago. Um, but what we are now seeing is that the AHJs are now realizing that it can be done remotely, so they are engaging more now as well. And that is teaching us that we can also leverage this opportunity to advance solar app um, as the digital solution and take advantage of this right now. But it also, I look at it and say we. We should have fixed this five years ago. Where is our industry representation at today? And that's one thing um, you know, I'd love to hear Adam's view on. But we are right now fragmented in the States. We have 20 different organizations doing various pieces. The board of SEA, which should be the number one organization, should be really the, the organization to support us, um, I think, has to try and do utility and distributed, which are two different things. And they struggle with that. We have a question actually coming in that ties in with something else that I wanted to ask. And, and I definitely want to sort of end uh, on that note of how we can harness our, our newfound sort of political power, as it were, as the industry grows. Before we jump into that, uh, a quick question around Solar App. I feel like Solar App isn't really as well known as it should be. You're a great advocate. Obviously, you helped spur the, this innovation for our industry. So on two sides of my question around solar app. On the one side, how can we as industry participants, namely solar installers, uh, marketers, help facilitate solar app being becoming uh, proliferated and getting it in front of the right folks? The other side of that question, which was posed in, uh, in the chat, is what will compel individual jurisdictions to adopt solar app and the idea of automated permitting? Look, there's a kind of an existential risk to take the second question first. Unless something changes, and I genuinely hope it does, unless we get a, a federal government that doesn't veto everything that's pro-solar, like literally come in with a pen and scratch it out if it says solar on it, 
then we shouldn't assume we're going to have ITC changes from what we're getting today, which means that in the next two years, we will not have ITC. When you lose 30% of your economics to the end customer, and the economics are no longer positive for a customer, for most of the market, that is going to be a really tough thing. Permitting offices aren't going to have that revenue stream. There aren't going to be the solar jobs going through. So this has to happen to create the flow for the AHJs to continue to get paid the permitting fees. We want to pay them. So that's the fundamental kind of economics of it at the country level. At the individual level, there are so many amazing people in the, in the AHJ community as well as the solar industry. They're great, great people. They often aren't. They often find it so high risk trying to understand and approve solar because they don't understand it. So this is an opportunity to standardize the process at the national level for how you grant a permit, which protects those brilliant individual AHJ people so that they can approve it. So that's a massive motivation for them. So it's economics and risk and process that is finally improved. Um, and that's really the motivation. But to the first question, what can we do um, individually right now? So there is a brand new website, NREL, yeah, nrel.solarapp, I think it is. You can register your interest there as an AHJ or a solar installer. Um, we are piloting this. The goal is to accelerate it due to COVID. We're all working night and day trying to get more money in. Um, because we haven't got the industry representation paying for it. So we're trying to get funds in to accelerate solar app. Um, we're piloting in Q2. The goal is to have it available to all AHJs by the third quarter. And at that point in time, unfortunately, we're not there yet because we've underinvested in it for many, many years. But if by Q3 we have that, then you will all be allowed to ring your AHJ and say, AHJ, please sign up for this national standard because we will be able to do a ton more volume and we'll still pay you the permit fees. So it's in your interest to, to get on board. All right, that's a wrap on today's conversation, Solar Warriors. But I do hope that you'll check out the other Two for Tuesday episodes and let me know what you think of these shorter format discussions. You want more like this? You can find more than 200 episodes, resources, highlights from the discussions, along with social media links to each guest episode, book recommendations, and so much more over on the blog at mysuncast.com. And that's also where you'll find other ways to engage with the Suncast tribe, like subscribing to our weekly emails or even joining the exclusive inner circle we affectionately refer to as the Guild. If you're on Spotify or iTunes, I so appreciate your rating and review so that others can also find Suncast more easily. A special thank you to our sponsors who help make this podcast possible. You can learn more about them at mysuncast.com forward slash sponsor. Follow the links there for any offers we've discussed here today. Remember, you are what you listen to. Thanks again for showing up, Solar Warrior. It's half the battle.